Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tolkien. Today, we are discussing Chapter 10 of Book 1 of The Two Towers, The Voice of Saruman. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. So, as always, we're going to start with Today in Middle-Earth, followed by the recent reintroduction of an old favorite, Elvish Word of the Day. Uh, We had some people request that we bring it back, so... We were listening to you and have decided to do so. Thank you for pitching in, everyone. Then we're going to take it over to Chase for what we read last week and then pivot into the discussion of Chapter 10. Katie, you want to take it away on today, March 10th? Yes. So today is March 10th. And like I said last week, uh, dates are going to start being a little bit spoilery. Um, So it's it's all good, though. Uh, So today, March 10th is known as the Dawnless Day, and we will learn what I mean by that later. Um, Let's see, what else happens on March 10th that I'd like to say? Sorry, I just got called by John. (laughs) You did? Yeah. I was trying to connect. How do you mean? I don't know. It was, okay, sorry. Okay, let me start over. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay, so today, March 10th, once again, dates uh, in March are going to start being a little spoilery, but that's all right. Uh, Today is known as the Dawnless Day. Um, Another thing that happens today is Frodo uh, passes the crossroads and sees the Morgul host. Um, We will learn about what all of this means soon, Chase. Well, not soon, actually. I was very confused by this. but, but, But coming up. Um, All right. uh, Oh, anything more? Yes. So uh, just another little kind of recap uh, in what things we kind of currently already know. Uh, This past week, the Battle of Helm's Deep wraps up. And Theoden and Gandalf and friends go to Isengard to talk to Saruman. Because we're just behind everybody. Yep. In real world. Pretty much. (laughs) So this week, I I feel like... Once again, great timing. Yeah, this book feels like it's working in real time. It's weird. It's weird. (laughs) It's like watching an extended episode season of uh, 24. <laughs> Not really. Never mind. I take that back. I didn't mean that. All right. Well, Chase, rather than talk about 24, how about you talk about Chapter 9 and briefly summarize it for us? Er, wait, did you want me to do Elvis Short of the Day first? See, I already forgot, so thank you for being diligent. (laughs) Katie, how about you take it away with our Elvish Word of the Day? All right, so here we are back once again with Elvish Word of the Day. And uh, I'm going to preface this with a disclaimer that I do not actually speak Elvish. There are people who who do and who are very wonderful at the pronunciation and stuff, but I personally have never studied it. We won't make fun of you. Don't worry. (laughs) Anyway, today's word is Aglarond. Um, which translates to Halls of Glory. And this is the Cinderin name for the glittering caves of Helm's Deep, which is rather fitting since last week we had uh, talked about, uh, or at least Gimli anyway, had very poetically talked about these caves. So there you go. That was two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks was, ago. Yeah. I, I was even having to do that My, for a second. Uh, yeah, two weeks ago. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Katie. Now, Chase, if you'd like to take it away and... Uh, Briefly summarize chapter nine for us. Previously on the two tower. Oh, okay, no. Uh, the last week was the the cha- I almost said episode. The cha- well, yeah, it was episode. It was episode of the podcast. We had read the part where Merry and Pippin recounted what happened to them while everyone else was fighting at Helm's Deep and looking for them and going to Edoras. Basically, it was the Ents marching on to Isengard, but not being able to knock it down, and also seeing the 10,000 orcs Mm -hmm. leave Isengard. And then Saruman just gets kind of like, stays in Orthrank. Wait, hold on. Orthnak. (laughs) What's it called again? Orthnak. Orthank. 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 Getting caught up in Orthank. The Inns can't do anything, so they're just kind of like, whatever, we'll just watch Orthank and wait till anybody else shows up. That's it, really. For the most part, that was it. I will that was say, it. Speaking of Orthanc, my database login, my, like my username at work, is Jonathan C. And I've started typing that so many times that I've noticed that it has the same ending as Orthanc. So I think of it now in my head as Jonathan. <laughs> uh. So that's your that unnecessary n- little personal injection for this. That sounds nasty. S- your silly thing that my brain did. Yes. So on to that. Um, 
Any closing thoughts or shall we move into chapter 10? Mm, let's no. jump right in yeah, to the my voice dinner was of potatoes, so I feel weird. <laughs> well, let's just jump into the voice of Saruman yep, then. Yes, that. All right, we're jumping into the voice of Saruman like a big puddly pool of mashed potatoes. Ew, that's what I had for dinner. More like more if 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 we're going to jump into the voice of Saruman, I would say it's more like uh jumping into some kind of like very sweet but off-putting fragrant like some sort of non-Newtonian fluid that tries to suck you in. <laughs> All right. Wow. That was that was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I used to know the word for that, so, but I don't remember what that Ooblack. Yeah, that that. Yeah, Ooblack. Um so anyway, uh chapter 10, Ooblack. We pick up where the hobbits have finished telling their story. And they're kind of like walking back to meet everyone else. And they see Gandalf and Theoden and his men. And Legolas is like, oh, let's go meet them. And Mary's like, okay, just be careful. Because remember, we flooded this place. And there were like holes everywhere. And like stones that could like pop up and knock you over. And so just be careful. Yeah, there's there's a lot of wreckage around. And pillars and 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 rocks everywhere. So they kind of walk up and they meet the gang and Gandalf comes up and he's like, okay, so Treebird and I talked and it was interesting. We made a few plans and most importantly, we've all had some rest, which is very important, mm-hmm. which is why I said most importantly. I do this thing where I'll use the same word twice without intending to. Anyway, Gandalf basically says, I need to go visit Saruman. Uh, it's going to be dangerous, but if you guys want to come, feel free to. I kind of imagine like Gandalf like rubbing his hands with a little like wicked glint in his eye of <laughs> happiness. He's like, "Yeah, I got to do this dangerous thing. If you guys want to watch, I got to go talk Cam, with this because I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty great, you know." He's like, <laughs> "I got to go talk with this ultra powerful wizard." However, I am apparently more powerful right now, which will come well, up later. But, but at the same time, though, I you know this is um, it's not going to be a fun conversation, and Gandalf knows that, and uh. Yeah, that's that's another feeling that I kind of get. He's gonna hurl down word balls, word fireballs. <laughs> Sorry, fuck okay, that. <laughs> that, that. I was thinking of like really a fi- like a fiery spell, but it came. And, yeah, I, I I understand what you mean, um, but yeah, he, he kind of tells him, you know, you can come if you want, um, and and Gimli right away is like, I want to go because I want to see if Saruman really does look like you, <laughs> um. And uh, and then Gandalf has kind of a nice sort of response to that. He says he kind of says like, "Well, how would you know? Uh, because how would you know that Saruman isn't playing some kind of trick on you uh, to look to to look any way that he wants?" It's kind Just of awesome. Yeah, Just yeah, awesome. And and well, and Pippin is like, "What's the danger? Will he shoot at us and pour fire out of the windows, or can he put a spell on us from a distance?" And yeah, and Gandalf is like, "Well." Probably both, but most likely the second. Most option. likely the latter, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Gandalf also kind of warns everybody about Saruman's voice and saying that that his voice is very powerful, um, kind of like that it has powers that you can't even fathom, uh, which is sp- spooky, really. I, I mean... And and you can imagine like some just the just the sound of someone's voice having a power over you. I mean, we've talked before about words being influential over people, but just even like we're not even talking necessarily about his words. It's just his voice alone. Let's so. just say again, we've tried to our best to not wholly reference the movies. Yeah. But Christopher Lee for I mean great casting. I, I mean yeah. Yes, you're basically describing the voice that of, too when I was reading it. You're, uh-huh. you're like, just, I can't hear anybody but Christopher. You're just Lee. describing the voice of Christopher Lee. Yeah. In my brain. Because Christopher Lee could say anything and I'd be like, "Yep." Yeah. <laughs> he he just had one of those voices. Um So yeah, uh so here we go. Theoden, Aemir, who Theoden says that Aemir will come with him. Of course, Aragorn will come with with Gandalf. It's kind of like a I got to go do this thing. Do you want to come along? You're, you're going to come it with really me. really was. It was just... uh, and, and again, Theoden makes this remark about how he's old and feeble. And uh, so Aemir is going to be there to, to help support him. Um, 
uh, and then, you know, Legolas and Gimli, because again, they're representatives of their kind here and they, they should be there. Uh, and they decide to go up the, up the stairs so that they can try to try to get a view of Saruman. Um, and the rest of the men wait behind and then Merry and Pippin also wait at the foot of the stairs feeling kind of, uh, I think the words that used, uh, feeling both unimportant and unsafe. <laughs> Which is how the hobbits, I feel like we would ultimately assume they would fill out through most of the story. Yeah. But the last time I feel like they felt like that was in earlier in the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, and you know, we we just yeah. we just came off this really kind of nice feeling and now of course we this see, uh this talk with with Saruman is bringing us back to a bad feeling. But there we are. Uh Gandalf comes up and bangs on the doors with his staff and calls for Saruman and at first there's no answer. And then a window opens, and we hear a voice yell out, "What do you want?" Um, and they're pretty certain that that's that's Wormtug. And it's yeah, that's that's Wormtug. Because Theoden says, "Wormtug, you Wormtongue." Uh. Right. Well, Theoden <laughs> Theoden recognizes his voice, yeah, and is of course upset by it, as as he should be. And then you know, Gandalf demands to speak to Saruman. He said, "I'm not here to speak to Wormtongue. I want to talk to Saruman." He says, go and fetch Saruman since you have become his footman. Right. And do not waste our time. Since you're his lackey. <laughs> uh, and when Saruman does finally speak, here we go with the voice. And <laughs> Sorry, you just said the voice and immediately Tom Hardy as Bane <laughs> came into my head? <laughs> not, the, not the singing sensation show in which people sing songs i've never and watched that cho- i don't even know how that show works yeah. either, either but they, they all have their backs turned it's and a, yeah something like that live tyler's dad's there so. yeah right but no this so anyway. is the the voice of saruman that we hear and immediately he is kind of talking sweetly um yeah well, it's described as the, the voice itself sounds very sweet mm-hmm. but he's also saying things that are very um nice and kind of appealing to this vanity and he says you know oh Thaden King why did you never come to me before you know together we can still make uh we, we can hold great counsel and do great things yeah and he um, and he said like you used to come for me to me for counsel and yeah. yeah um and then it explicitly says that the writers that were with them were all like swayed by this and they thought that Gandalf had never spoken so fairly and that, you know, Saruman clearly was, was nicer and thought higher of, of Theoden. Right. And this really reminded me uh, exactly of what Wormtongue had been saying. Exactly. You know, Gandalf Stormcrow. And then here, here again, that's just immediately taking root in the minds of most of the writers. I just love that, that these words, or not only the words, but just the way he's saying has like, it's almost like it has extra data to it. Like it's got mm-hmm. extra just like inputs into the brain well, that are like like inferring like emotional responses and like bringing out emotional responses to them without really doing anything. It's right. really cool. And that's exactly right because there's even a line in the text where, you know, maybe in the future they wouldn't necessarily remember the words that were being said, but the sound of them mm-hmm. and that the sound of his voice, the words that are used are low and melodious and that it's very he's he's sweet talking them. Yeah. And they like they like the sound of it and, and the feel of what's being said. Um, and it's 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 clear that he's using uh, his his influence and his power to um, to make them feel this way. It's like uh, people in my life who are smarter with music than I am <laughs> talk about these chords and these notes that can bring out emotional responses in people without you real like that. That's why film scores lean on what they lean on is because the 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 person writing the soundtrack knows that will affect you in that way. Right. It's almost like that. And then, you know, Saruman is also kind of playing playing on them as well with 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 the sound of his voice. He's making himself sound kind of sad and pitiful and makes mention of his um 
uh, uh, that he's aggrieved by injuries that that were undeserved. He's been unjustly injured. Um, so it's clear that he's he's working them right now. And they also see at, at the figure. They see him come forward. And I love this because once again, he's, you know, he looks like an old man wearing a cloak, but but they can't really the, the 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 cloak that he's wearing you can't really tell the color of it because it seems to change and and it's very fluid which again you can't tell that you can't really tell Saruman's true colors right yeah and we've i've we mentioned this before with with like the color of his robes but i think that's just such a a nice touch and it works so well with what he does with with his words and his coat of many colors, <laughs> it is just like his allegiance. One, they cannot read it because he's a bad man. I, I'm, I'm not surprised you <laughs> went to Dolly Parton. I got that right, right? Yeah, yeah, I got Dolly that. Parton. It's Dolly Parton. They, but NBC made a like a TV movie out of that song a couple months ago. <laughs> well, what I was gonna say was <laughs> almost like. He has completely distracted me. I don't even know what I was going to say now. <laughs> we were talking about Sar- the his appearance. Well, okay, so this is... The, I don't know if necessarily this is how much of this that Tolkien's going off of, but the way we see colors due to the frequency of the light that is coming into our eyes. Could it be that, that Saruman has the ability or is inadvertently, like, not even knowing he's doing it, is able to basically futz with that wavelength of light and therefore a connection to the trees i know i just i made i said one thing and then i made this massive <laughs> jump but i'm just saying we're talking about color okay, and like, light okay you're trying to turn tolkien into deepak chopra right i know <laughs> but i will say though that the the there there it's it's the fact that it's that it's it's hard to tell what color his robes are is intentional because yes. it's again it's difficult yeah. to tell Saruman's intentions. He's like a cuttlefish. That's, that's the reason, like a cuttlefish. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the reasoning <laughs> behind that. Saruman is a cuttlefish, um, and so yeah. So anyway, as he's trying to you know woo Theoden, Aemir comes up and says, you know. Think of Helm's Deep. Think of all of our friends who have died. Think of Hama. Think of what they did to his body. Like, do not let yourself be fooled and by this man. Gimli also called him out uh, on on deceit, and uh, Gimli said that uh, the lang the in the language of Orthanc, help means ruin, and saving means slaying. That is plain. So yeah, both both Gimli and Aemir, they're not taken in by this. They're they they understand what's going on. And so then he kind of shifts tactics and gives up on Theoden and instead starts speaking to Gandalf. Right. And he's saying, you know, Gandalf, join me again. Together we are so powerful. Are we not both members of a high and ancient order, most excellent in Middle Earth? Our friendship would profit us both alike. And Saruman, additionally, each time that someone starts to counter him, he kind of snaps. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, again says, you know, I'm talking to Theoden right now. I'm not, now is not the time that I'm talking to you, Gamely Son of Glow. And, and then again, yeah. after, you know, and he says, though, though you know, you, you didn't choose to be a part of this, however you fought bravely. So, again, he's kind of flattering Gamely. And then when Eomer jumps in and, and, and tries to remind Theoden, yeah, remember all of our people who died? That was Saruman's fault. Um and once again, Saruman kind of says, I'm speaking to Theoden now, not to you, Eomer. Uh, and once again says, you know, though you fought very bravely, but now is not the time that I'm talking to you. I'm talking to Theoden. Is he like and, the principle of Middle Earth? Like, <laughs> what is this? Like, Well, he's try- he, again, he's trying to use his words to, to persuade. He, well, he's trying to get to Theoden. Yeah. Um, because Theoden seems to be the one that's got power in this... To to him, I, he he he's he's still trying to. He's already had latches. He's had his claws in him right, already. Right. Well, I mean, he kind of knows he can't get Gandalf, but possibly he could get Theoden back, and so he's making this really impassioned appeal to Gandalf to make him seem like the aggrieved party when Gandalf says no. Right. Um. And yeah, so Theoden. Theoden uh, seems to like 
we see him have moments of clarity and he then speak you know he even the way that he's speaking it's clear that he had been you know drawn by some kind of of power that Saruman had been using over him but then he speaks very clearly and controls himself and calls Saruman a corrupter of men's hearts says that he's following a dark master calls him a liar so Theoden in the end was not fooled and yeah it's at this moment that Saruman turns and uh, now is going to address Gandalf yeah and this whole time it's it's important to note that Gandalf had not said a word he was remaining you know stoic and kind of waiting to see what they had yeah, do. Yeah, very observant yeah. for the most part. And it's important that it's really important to Theoden. You know, it, we saw a, a, several chapters ago that Gandalf had helped Theoden out of this, out of the clutches of Saruman, right? And it's important that Theoden had made that that resistance now, or this resistance mm-hmm. um, to to Saruman's kind of last attempt to to regain control over him so that was a good a really great moment for theoden well i also loved it's a, um after he appeals to gandalf it says so great was the power that saruman exerted in this last effort that none that stood within hearing were unmoved but now the spell was wholly different they heard the gentle remonstrance of a kindly king with an erring but much loved minister yeah also i just love remonstrance it's a great word <laughs> it really is yes <laughs> Don't really hear that one very often. In fact, I had to read it like once or twice to be like, did I read that right? Never read that one. Right. So Saruman, when Theoden rejects him, Saruman again has this kind of uh, loss of control and yells out um, gibbets and crows and goes on this whole tirade about uh, the noose that is going to tighten, right? Um and then regains control over himself and finally says, okay, fine, no more no more friendship to Rohan. And it's at this point that he uh, calls out Gandalf. Yeah. And tells Gandalf, listen. Um, and Gandalf responds, so I remember our last conversation and how that went. <laughs> Do you want to take any of that back, Saruman? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we have this really great exchange between Saruman and Gandalf because the contrast between them is so evident. Saruman tells Gandalf that he's in the company of ignorant and violent people, right? Yeah. And, I mean, we've never heard Gandalf refer to the men this way. No. Ever. Not at all. Um. So it's just, again, great, great contrast between Saruman and Gandalf and, and the way they use words and the way they speak to and about the people uh, in, in, in their company <laughs> right at this moment. Um, and yeah, Saruman, you know, clearly sees them as lesser folk. And yes, it tell, says yeah. to Gandalf, you know, we're this higher order. Um, so join me. Well, leave, I mean, leave the lesser folk and join me. Had we come to a conclusion, was it that that Saruman was more or less wanting to replace Sauron? That's what we came to, correct? Yes. Okay, that that Sauron really or Saruman really wants to uh, uh, replace Sauron as being a dark lord within this realm, rather than just being I don't know that he... working for him. I don't know that he really views himself as replacing him as a dark lord, but rather sees that this is an opportunity to increase, to increase his, power. his power. I mean, we've yeah. had we've had this discussion off and on through the entire span of this podcast because we've talked critically of the movies because I feel like, but I can never remember exactly where we come down to on the movies versus the book. For some reason, they're getting jumbled in my brain. That one of our problems with the movies was that Saruman seemed more like he, a willing lieutenant of Sauron, whereas in the book. He seems like he's yeah. got grander goals. In many ways, could be much more of a bigger foe than Sauron, but they've kind of caught him early. Well, yeah, and particularly in this chapter, that's uh, you know that's what I mean, yeah. Gandalf reveals. Um, but yeah, so there, you know, the the rest of them are now kind of listening to this discussion between Gandalf and Saruman, and. Uh, 
feeling sort of like rather shut out and also feeling like some of the men start to feel worried um, because Saruman is saying all of these things about, oh, 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 Gandalf, you know, we are in this higher order. Um, you know, we have such power. We could do such things. And the men are like, Gandalf's going to betray us. <laughs> <laughs> and, this is how it goes. This is how it's going to end. Oh, no. And we, the reader, of course, are saying, oh, dear, sweet summer children, you men, do you not know Gandalf? <laughs> Well, isn't he, I mean, to kind of bring up what's going to happen next, Saruman is kind of referring to as Gandalf the Grey. Yeah. And around this point is when Gandalf reveals, no, I am Gandalf the White. Yeah, because Gandalf, so Gandalf laughs, first of all, which is <laughs> was such a Gandalf thing to yep. do. When, like, this is, I mean, this is a tense moment, right? And Gandalf just starts laughing. It's like, dude, that's like your opinion, man. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> Once again, Gandalf is the dude. <laughs> yeah, and so then Gandalf, he doesn't really say this, but he does, I mean, this he, he applies it without stating directly, but he's saying, I am the white, I am the leader of our order. You, you do not belong to us anymore. However, if you cast all of this aside, if you... You know, sever your your relationship with Mordor. If you stop, you know, with these evil implements, you know, then then you're fine. Uh, and then my favorite, he says, but you will first surrender to me the key of Orthanc and your staff. Right. They shall be pledges of your conduct to be returned later if you merit them. Right. So this is just like a a weird, silly technical point, but I love that. Like, I don't know if he's using key of Orthanc as like a metonym to refer to Orthanc. In its entirety, or if there's actually a key to like Orthanc. a literal physical key, I think it's the former, <laughs> yeah, for the most part, because Orthanc is this like super powerful thing. I mean, the Ents had a trouble with. I mean, the end goal here is yes, Sarah, like Gandalf is like uh, give up your authority. Yeah, give up your authority, but also we kind of, I kind of need this thing. I think, <laughs> I think we need this. I don't think he fully understands the power of Orthanc, but I think he has an idea. I think that's part of it. Gandalf? Yes, Gandalf. Oh, Gandalf totally understands the power of Orthanc. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, he, he, he gives Saruman a chance once again. Says, you know, you uh, you can have these back when you've shown me that you've you earned them. You know, just back. like just like I've done to students with cell phones in class before. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to take this away, and at the end of the hour, if you've been good, you can have it back. Um, and, and Saruman rages. Right. Like he, he's kind of lost his cool a couple of times throughout this this chapter already as he's as, you know, someone has kind of called him out or called mm-hmm. him a liar or whatever. And now he really loses his cool. He freaks out and, and turns away. And then Gandalf is like not playing anymore and kind of is uses this very commanding voice. And this is um, just a great line. And Gandalf says, I did not give you leave to go. So he's scolding Saruman <laughs> and yeah, is clearly he's in the position of power now. And it says, said Gandalf sternly, I have not finished. You have become a fool, Saruman, and yet pitiable. You might still have turned away from folly and evil and have been of service, but you choose to stay and gnaw the ends of your own plots. So here we're shown evil is a choice. Good is a choice. Morality and immorality is a choice. And he had given this to Saruman and he, he completely rejected it. Um, that gnawing at the ends of your own plot. Such a great line. Is almost like kind of meta in a way, but it, it's a really good bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then it's at this moment that he really takes ownership. He says, behold, I am not Gandalf the Grey whom you betrayed. I am Gandalf the White who has returned from death. You have no color now, and I cast you from the Order and from the Council. So, again, yeah, Gandalf makes his declaration. Boom, you're fired. (laughs) Uh, Breaks Saruman's staff. That was intense. Yeah. It just, like, popped. Mm -hmm. And... There we go. Doesn't like the head of it like fall? Yeah, falls. Falls close to Gandalf too. Yeah. Like falls off of yeah away from the tower, um, 
and Gandalf is there. Sorry, Gandalf. Uh, Saruman falls back and then crawls away, which is you know what he's been reduced to. And so yeah, that's it. Gandalf has essentially stripped him of his authority. Yeah. Um, he gave him a choice, threw it away. Now you're done. But before they can go away, well, they kind of hear some. Yes, so they they hear a rage and tater. Wait, what? What am I saying? <laughs> what? I, I've got potatoes on the mind. Uh, <laughs> because of my comments. Yeah. So ago. they something is thrown down at them and almost yeah. hits them all. And it, what they've assumed is is that Wormtongue has kind of you know heard all of this and has gotten angry and has thrown just. Jetsam down at them. (laughs) Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah, throwing stuff down at them. Except this particular thing is not Flotsam and Jetsam, though. This is clearly a treasure. Yeah, treasure. It's it's described as looking kind of like a glass globe, but it did not break. In fact, sorry, a a globe of crystal dark, but glowing with a heart of fire. And Pip. It it, it glanced off the iron rail and smote the stair on which it stood. The rail rang and snapped. The stair cracked and splintered in glittering sparks. But the <sighs> fall was unharmed. I love right? that imagery because I just this this thing is so dense and it just it smashes into the stairs and oh, breaks. It's it. one it's of those cool. things where you can hear the sound it would make when it hits the ground, like the thunk, right? Of a, something. A bunch very of ants a few a few miles away. Like what was that? <laughs> Whoa! Um, and so it kind of rolls off into the water, and Pippin kind of chases yeah. after it and then i i really liked aragorn kind of out loud wonders whether worm tongue had been aiming for saruman or gandalf because <laughs> yes, uh, yes he's pretty sure he's angry <laughs> at both of them <laughs> um and then gandalf's response to that is well you know saruman and worm tongue they have each other now <laughs> and yeah. they're going to basically he says uh they will gnaw at one another with words uh, as you know, they're now left in this tower together, which again, exactly what the two of them do and have been shown to do is to use words in a very nasty way. Um, and Gandalf immediately takes the this thing from Pippin. Um, and wraps like, up his robe too. <laughs> I'll take that. You 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 don't have any business taking care of that. <laughs> this is clearly something for me. It's important. <laughs> So then they kind of just, they're like, okay, we're done here. And they walk off and they meet with the Ents. And Gandalf says, you know, he he should be fine. I need you to keep an eye out on him. Um, beware the caverns down below because you might try and escape through there. And Treebeard is like, oh, don't worry. Uh, and then Treebeard like kind of walks up to Legolas. Yeah. And is like really excited to meet. This is this moment is really cute, and he's like, "So you've come all the way from Mirkwood, my good elf. A great forest it used to be." <laughs> yeah, and Legolas. And Legolas is like, "No, it's 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 still a great forest, <laughs> and I'm so excited and happy to come here and see other great forests." Uh, and then L- Legolas is like, "And I hear you're Fangorn, and I really want to visit. It sounds amazing. Uh, actually, my friend and I were just saying, we're if we're." We're both alive at the end of this journey. We're going to go to Fangorn together. And of course, Fang... And Treebeard is like... Hopefully, I can accompany yeah, y'all. Yeah, if, well, if, well, and, and Fangorn, of course, is like, oh, yeah, elves are always welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and Legolas is like, and no, then, no. <laughs> my friend the dwarf here. My, Dwarfs. And then it says, Gimli, Gimli bowed low, and the axe slipped from himself <laughs> and clattered yeah. to the ground. And then I loved this so much. This is the most Treebeard line I've ever yes. read. And it's... Like, I don't mean to overtly refer again to the movie, but I can only hear John Reese yeah. <laughs> say that like hum, hum, that hum. like, and it's just, it's perfect. the rumbling voice, definitely. It, but he says yes, hum, ha, anow. a dwarf and an axe bearer. Hmm, I have goodwill to elves, but you ask much. This is a strange friendship. Yeah, and then I I, I loved then, it. Legolas is like, well, his axe is not for trees; it's for orcs. It's for orc necks, basically. <laughs> don't worry; you don't have to yeah, worry. And this totally changes Treebeard's concept conception of Gimli now. Because ants hate because <laughs> they hate orcs so much more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Treebeard says, who come now? That is a better story. Yep. Yep. So, and I just love that, that Legolas was like very quick to like stand up for their mm-hmm. friendship. I also love how Treebeard has now added a verse for hobbits into his song. Um, because, you know, Gandalf's going to take his gatekeepers away from, from Isengard, of course. Um, and, you know, Treebeard and the hobbits uh, hope to see each other again. And, and, and we're told that the Ents are going to uh, stay watch over, over Orthanc, and uh, this place is going to be called Watchwood, and they're going to stay there seven times longer than Saruman had tormented them which is great oh that's a long time a isn't long it time. oh wow he, he says i can already feel old trees start to like lay down roots yeah here. so yeah it's this great moment of you know again previously we had talked about saruman having perverted that landscape yeah. from this great you know flowering garden and orchard to this like mechanical grossness and now it's being reclaimed by the ants yeah um so it's 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 a perfect a perfect ending for that indeed or is it a perfect ending ah! yeah. <laughs> i had to get another one in there <laughs> uh i'm sorry that pun might have been a little bit intolerable okay yeah. I was, that was that was a real stretch <laughs> but yeah there were the i i, I just want to once again say how great I think it is that we see in this chapter the number one the difference in the way that Gandalf and Saruman speak to um the men and and about the men um which is not really a surprise but it's just it's 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 characterization that's so perfect um and then again I want to point out that both Wormtongue and Saruman in this chapter have like fits of rage and loss of self-control, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, Gandalf laughs. <laughs> Gandalf in this chapter sits stoically and waits for people to do the right thing and then, you know, makes an offer. You can do the right thing. Okay, you didn't. Well, I'm going to break your staff then. <laughs> and also I'm going to laugh at how ridiculous you're being. <laughs> Um, I just, I just it's, like it a it's, lot. It's great. Wait, was that your favorite part? No. Did we already get to that? No, oh. I was just, I just wanted to reiterate I got uh, confused. Those, those two kind of characterization oh. points and ways that we've seen, uh, evil, uh, per, like the portrayal of evil and of good in this, in this chapter. Yes. Yeah. Well, we might as well get to our favorite parts because I'm going to forget mine if I don't say it right now. <laughs> Go for it. Because I forgot to mention it two seconds ago. But when Treebeard was talking to Legolas, he like it's obvious that he gets really excited. And he's like, oh, look at me being hasty. It's like I'm getting younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. This is great. It's like it's like those moments where uh, someone says, you know, like, I, I, I feel like a kid again or something. That was Treebeard. That was, yeah, that I was Treebeard like, having that moment. Well, I just like the little moments of characterization of Treebeard in mm-hmm. this chapter because I feel like largely he's kind of been more uh, either a character to drive the plot or to provide exposition. Mm-hmm. And in this chapter, he gets a little more, you know, characterization. You feel him out a little mm-hmm. bit better. Um, mine was uh, that whole passage of Gandalf um, basically casting Saruman out of the order uh, because it was great and powerful. Um, I, and I love powerful Gandalf moments when he has these great spe- speeches, you know, like the, I mean, the last really big one we had was uh, with the Balrog uh, at the bridge of Khazad doom and that great, like the dark fire should not, not avail you and all that stuff, you know? Um, and this, this one, the, the, you have become a fool Saruman that whole, I love it. It's great. It's because we get to see Gandalf w- not having to interact with something that could be a potentially the same power as him mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. We've seen it twice now. It's yeah. special every time. Yeah. Well, it's like what he said, you know, I'm probably the most dangerous creature. you know. Right. Yeah. And yeah, the, this is, yeah, we don't often actually see that. And that this is one of those moments. 
This is like next level <laughs> Yep. So, any anything else to talk well, about? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I haven't said my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was still thinking, so I was like, my. That is something else to talk about, though. That's why. Um. Well, I think the only thing that really comes to mind is the description of Saruman's clothing changing colors. That hit my brain in a very special way, where I couldn't stop thinking about it for a while, and I was thinking about how that would look. I came to a cuttlefish. Uh, and, uh, that was a very cool bit and that's about it. Really. It just showed how like this, like this, like these powerful figures, but you don't really get a sense of them until you're like looking at them and it's like weird off kilter things. Mm-hmm. For me, I think more of like an oil slick. Yeah. Yeah. Like that shimmering effect almost. Yeah. And yeah. Or if you're familiar with ancient Roman glass, um, a lot of it has this really kind of like opalescent pearly sheen to it. Uh, the long story short for that is basically the layers of glass uh, separate over, over, you know, the thousand or something years they've been buried. And the micro fracture between them is basically the same wavelength uh, at which visible light is refracted right. i'm not sure the yeah, specific yeah. Right. of it but basically like the the micro fractures within the glass are at the same wavelength of visible light and it that's what creates that really cool opalescent machine that's really cool i think i know what you're talking about mm-hmm. so anyway I, anything else to add before we we leave tolkien and move into our own recommendations nope all right. Well, I'm going to go first because I'm selfish and very excited. <laughs> Good. You should uh, be because I'm so, not. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most excited I've been for to talk about something. And that is Akira Kurosawa's Ron. You got to watch that. Which I just, I saw. So they just did a 4K restoration, which is in theaters for one week only. So sadly, you probably won't get a chance to see it in theaters. Um legitimately one of the most incredible movie going experiences of my life legitimately one of the greatest movies i've ever seen um absolutely astonishing movie it is kurosawa's take on king lear he somehow manages to take king lear and make it darker and bleaker and more cynical and if you don't leave that movie feeling entirely dead inside <laughs> you probably weren't alive to begin with no, like at multiple times during that movie, I was like on the verge of tears. And then on the entire train ride back, I was trying not to cry. Wow. Not because it was like overtly sad, just because it was overtly bleak. But at the same time, it's such a beautifully visually rich, colorful, incredibly shot movie. If you have any opportunity to see this at all, you know, if there's a screening you get to go to. If you rent it at home and watch it, just watch this movie. It is Amazing. It might be me. That's one I've not seen from him. And then I saw your pictures that you were going to see that. And I was like, oh, man, that sounds great. <laughs> it was amazing. It's just so good. And then here's my shameless pitch. Uh, the reason I saw it is because me and Mark and Avon did it for our podcast. Ah, there we go. Yeah. As we yeah, like yeah. it. <laughs> so <laughs> I figured rather than put a little ad at the beginning like I've done for some of the other episodes, I'll just talk now. Now. So. Now, so. So. Extracurricular.com where you can also find Talking Tolkien's podcast. Seriously, though, if you like King Lear, if you like Shakespeare, if you like Akira Kurosawa, or if you just like movies in general and you hate feeling happy, check this movie out. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, you already know what mine. I is. I do know what yours is. Uh, you know what? You do yours first. Uh, okay. And then okay. I'll do mine. Okay. Okay. This is gonna be like a recommendation. I probably already did the recommendation for for this or something along those lines. But if you listen to this podcast, you might know that I'm a massive fan of Nina Simone, and I have been since high school. Um, and last year there was an amazing documentary that came out called what happened to Simone and is currently on Netflix. It was literally my favorite movie of last year. Mm-hmm. It was top because it is all about how Nina Simone had this, like these things about her that you didn't know and, and, and the anger and passion that fueled her and how, when she's singing songs like Mississippi, Goddamn, there is a real fire behind her for the civil rights and being an activist and things like that. I say all that because 
today there was a trailer for a movie that is a biopic of Nina Simone that has been in the works for many, many, many years. I was talking about this thing in 2009. And um, they finally released a trailer, and it's been amidst a lot of controversy. The director associated with it has wanted to remove her name off of it. Uh, and the family of Nina Simone, basically Nina Simone's daughter, has disavowed, like, wants nothing to do with this movie and all this stuff. And now I know why, because I've seen the trailer. It is the most deplorable, terrible thing I have seen in a very long time. It, was, it made me pretty depressed for the rest of the day that I was listening to Nina Simone music over and over again to, like, so basically, Zoe Saldana plays an aging Nina Simone, and it's about her relationship with uh, this nurse who becomes a manager in the late start stage of her career, who actually wasn't a very big figure in her life at all, but they've exaggerated because they wanted to make this movie where they've taken this very powerful, awesome woman and put her through the lens of a man, and just a bunch of horrible garbage. That And also, Zoe Saldana is not perfectly... She, She's trying her best, mm-hmm. but she is not perfectly cast for this movie, uh, and just it's terrible. They also put this like almost like, just imagine like a Halloween cartoon uh, witch nose. They put that on her basically. They also darkened up her skin because it's 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 bad. It was hard. It was painful to watch. Uh, so don't watch the trailer for <laughs> Save Nina. Save yourself. <laughs> watch instead what happened, Miss Simone, which mm-hmm. is so much better, and was produced was executive produced by uh, Nina Simone's daughter. So, also it doesn't help that I think since that documentary came out last year, this movie looks very petty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like they don't quite get it in many ways, but yeah, that thing. <laughs> Uh, I saw that tweet that you retweeted from like the Nina Simone Foundation oh, or Trust or something. Yeah. And it was at Zoe Saldana, and I, I think it just said, take Nina's name out of your mouth or something. Yeah, Nina, like Zoe Saldana earlier today was quoting Nina Simone, and they kind of like were like, no, no, no. You need to just let this movie kind of come and then dissipate because it's not doing anyone any favors. Which is honestly what's happening. They're just kind of barfing it out in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was supposed to be released in 2012. Whoa. It has taken four years to reach theaters. Whoa. That's intense. Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't. I, I had another, like, not really huge standout week of anything to recommend. Uh, oh, we know. You watched the entire first season of Legend of the Hidden Temple. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. That's coming back. And um, so so is my high blood pressure. That's a movie. Uh, to, to, to watch people attempt to rebuild that freaking monkey statue. Silver monkey. Like, okay, guys, it's three pieces. It's not that hard. Even when I was like seven years old, I would watch in frustration as these people could not assemble this three-piece monkey statue. Ugh. I don't know. Uh, I saw Deadpool this week. I laughed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I I really I know I really did appreciate it. Um, I I'm a huge fan of the fourth wall breaking. I yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I, I, mean, I, I should I should yeah. I should see it at some point. That's really that's really all I can say. It, it's the one it's, super it's, movie it's, this year I'm rooting for. It's it. worth seeing. It's it's totally worth seeing. It's it's refreshing, um, in the sea of all of the like dark and gritty and serious superhero movies, and then there's Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, hearing that the Batman and Superman movie had an yeah. R rating at one point, yeah, which is I just disturbing I, to me on many levels. I can't be made to care about it. I can't. Yeah, but guys, Legend of the Hidden Temple, if they bring back the silver monkey statue, I swear, let me at it because I could do it in half a second. Let me at the it. Big, the big butt goes on bottom, the, the medium the sized. Yeah. And then the head on top, guys. Because it's got the like like pike thing yeah, coming out it's of not, it. Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard. Gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been um, Rants of a 90s Kid. <laughs> Fun fact, a rerun of Legends of the Hidden Temple was the first TV show I watched in 2007. All right. Like at New Year's? Like on New Year's? Yeah, on New Year's. Okay. I was at a sleepover. I, I, we've been keeping track of that. I remember there was one New Year's where John and I both watched Terminator. That was the first thing we did in like 2010 or something like that. 
2010 we watched 2010 no 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 we remember the very the night i was sick after the party i was super sick after the new year's party and we watched terminator on blu-ray i think that would have been 2011 no that was because you were uh, never mind this is getting enough (laughs) no i don't no you're right yeah (laughs) i don't know how or why you would need to remember the specific year of that but that's great uh, so before we leave, I would like to once again give a shout out to our Patreon supporters um, for helping us out with uh, equipment needs and uh, website needs and Katie's brain needs. Yeah, Sorry, my brain broke. <laughs> uh, but thank you to our Patreon supporters for uh, giving us throwing us a dollar our way when you can. We really do appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Ariel Alm, Brian Osborne, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Jacob Verma, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, and Micah. We really do appreciate it. And thank you for all the people who responded to our call to give us some more ratings on iTunes. I noticed those. I appreciated them. I like them. And if you haven't given us a rating, please, please do. It really helps us out. Other than that, um, I'll push the survey again. That's survey, no, talkingtoking.com slash survey. Uh, That helps us out as well. And thank you for listening. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And next week we will be, next week we'll be reading chapter 11, The Palantir. Oh, I know what that thing is. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if we would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better-sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge, and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. Welcome back to Talking Tolkien. It's one, it's one great opening. This no, is still going. No, <laughs> no, it's still going. No whale speak, Dory. Hello and welcome to Talking. Okay, it's like talking to an. You animal. can use that at the end if you like.